1: you always follow
0: yeah,
2: the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSin.
0: Welcome in. It is Follow the Money here on VSin, the sports betting network. Mitch Moss, Polly Howard, we are live today downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. Starting this hour talking some Major League Baseball and Kevin Rogers joins the program with Vegas Insider. He has done a great job tracking Uh, K-Props throughout the entire year and has some dynamite first five numbers you're going to want to hear about here in a couple of minutes as well. Uh, Kevin, thanks for the time today. How are you?
3: Guys, good to talk to you again.
0: Yep. What really stands out now? We have the Austin, you know, three more games coming up here before the break. What really stands out to you? You've tracked every pitcher, every team the entire year with the K-Props. Like, for example, the guys who are the best overall at striking out pitchers on the year and uh, lead the league in Ks, how have they done with their props?
3: Well, when you look at the top five pitchers in baseball as far as strikeouts, forget about their props, just straight-up numbers. Spencer Strider of the Braves, Kevin Gosman of the Blue Jays, Pablo Lopez of the Twins, Shohei Otani of the Angels, and Mitch Keller of the Pirates. Only two of those guys have been really good with their overs, which is Lopez, who has hit the over in 13 of his 18 starts, and Mitch Keller, same thing, he's 13-5. and on his uh, on his K-props on the over. Shohei Otani, for as great as he is, his uh, K-props, really, he doesn't hit the over that often. I mean, it's like 50-50, 17 starts, nine, uh, nine unders, eight overs, so nothing great with him. Spencer Strider, it's unfair with him because he has the highest K-props all the time. It's always eight and a half, nine and a half. And to be 10 and seven is actually pretty impressive for him uh, on that, but uh, as far as those guys go, you know, you don't want to like look for Spencer Strider every night. Like, oh, he's going to strike out a bunch of guys because they've already moved that number up. Where there are times he has nine and a half Ks and he ends up with nine strikeouts, which is a great night. But he still doesn't hit his over.
0: Sure. How about guys on the other side? Verlander is going tonight. I was looking at a lot of his numbers uh, for today's game against uh, Darvish. Um, anything stick out with Justin Verlander?
3: You know what's so funny, Mitch, is that uh, he has 11 starts this season. He's hit the under nine times in his 11 starts, and his uh, totals actually at five and a half tonight, and it's juiced to the under. But uh, for Justin Verlander, again, he was hurt. Remember uh, early on, and it took him some time to get back. And yeah, he's been a bit up and down. I don't want to say he's been a complete disappointment. He's had some some okay starts, but for that number to be uh, nine and two to the under. Uh, is pretty interesting for him. But also, I think on some of those, he's been burned on, you know, five and a half a five strikeouts. So it's not exactly like he's getting one or two strikeouts a game. But it's interesting that a guy like that, that he is not hitting his over props.
2: What do you want to do in this Braves-Raves game? And you have incredible numbers on Atlanta. But as we know, Atlanta's been a freight train here going back the last 30 games with their averaging almost seven runs per game. Uh, What do you have on Atlanta first five during the stretch? And also, what do you want to do with Morton props?
3: Paul, when you look at Atlanta, I mean, just you talk about a machine, it's unbelievable what they've done. Uh, 17 2 and 4 the last 23 games in the first five innings, and oh. one of those losses, if you remember, Paul, was that Reds game, Reds that game. opener. Yeah. They were up 5 nothing out of the shoot and they were up 7-5 in the fifth, and then they trailed 9-7, so that was one of the losses. But seven in the past eight games, they have scored four or more in the first five. They had that four-run spot against Cleveland in that second game against Beaver where they were getting shut down and then exploded in the fifth. And what's funny about Atlanta is the last 11 games, they are 9-0-2 in the first five innings. So God. they're just uh, unbelievable right now. And you mentioned Charlie Morton also, Paul. 5 0 to the over on his last uh, five strikeout props on the road. And in four of those, he's had seven or more strikeouts. So Charlie Morton on the road has actually been a very good pitcher to back as far as the strikeout pop, uh, props. And he faces a Tampa Bay team that went through a stretch earlier this season with a ton of unders. And now they've kind of uh, regressed back a little bit. And, you know, you guys talked about them getting swept by the Phillies, that they're not really at great form right now. So there's probably a good opportunity here for Charlie Morton against Tampa Bay tonight.
0: All right, very good. Let's follow the Excellent. money here on v the Sports Betting Network. Our guest, Kevin Rogers, from Vegas Insider. The Brewers have been struggling uh, this year at the plate striking out, specifically against lefties, and they get a good one tonight, an Abbott for the Reds. Uh, overall, though, what have you noticed with uh, this team, maybe full game or for the first five against lefties?
3: You know, the first five, Mitch, for Milwaukee, 5-16-7 against left-handed pitchers uh, in the first five innings. So when you do the math there, what does that uh, 28 games, five times they've led after the fifth inning uh, against left handed pitchers. And actually, it was the other, it was one of the games against the Cubs uh, that they, let me just pull this up really quick. One of the games against, uh, no, it was against Pittsburgh. It was Rich Hill on Sunday, excuse me. It was that game that the Pirates were up 2 0 in that one, and the Brewers came back and led 3 2. So that was almost another loss for them. But for the most part, though, uh, against Justin Steele the other day. They only scored one run. Uh, they trailed Drew Smiley 6 nothing out of the shoot uh, in the game. They actually came back and won uh, back a few days ago. They won 8-6, to but they just had these problems against left-handed pitchers. And now you get Abbott tonight, who has been a strikeout machine himself. And you guys talked about the Reds and, and just what they've done this season. But Milwaukee's also playing a little bit better Let's see what you get from Corbin Burns tonight. He's so hit or miss. Burns actually pitched well against the Reds from a strikeout perspective last time. Uh, That was a game Milwaukee won an extra innings last month, but I believe he had seven strikeouts in that game. So that should be a pretty interesting game. And also Cincinnati off of the sweep of Washington, who we know is not great. Now let's see what they do when they step up in competition.
0: No question. I'm looking right now, by the way, at the teams with the highest K rates against left-handed pitching. The Brewers are still number one overall. They strike out 27.6% of the time against lefties overall. What else today that might be interesting to you with the first five or any like first five pitchers that really jump off the page?
3: You know, one guy, Mitch, that I feel like I, I've been fading this year or noticed this one is Luis Castillo of the Mariners, and they've continued that series in Houston. He's 0-3-3 on the road this year in the first five. So six starts. The Mariners have not led after the first five when Luis Castillo takes the mound, and he's a short dog against Houston uh, this afternoon. I mentioned the Braves a little bit earlier as far or when we talked about the Braves. As far as their run, they are not the hottest team in baseball in the first five, which is amazing. They're 9-0-2. They're not the hottest team. Guess who is? The New York Mets. 12 straight games. They have not trailed after the first five wow. innings. So, yeah, so the Mets got the sweep in Arizona. They are playing well right now. I know they dug themselves that big hole, but they are playing well, at least at the moment. They have this big series uh, with the Padres this weekend. We'll see what uh, Verlander can do. And also, one more note, guys. I want to go back to the Mets. Carlos Carrasco now 6-1-1 and in the first five of his last eight starts. Oh, so okay. he actually has not been that bad uh, halfway through the game, but also even Alec Manoa, who gets the start for Toronto tonight. We know he's been shelled this whole season. He's one 7-5 and five in the first five innings this year. So once they've led in 13 starts, but the only time they led came against the Tigers back earlier in the season and they're in Detroit tonight. I don't yeah. know if that means anything, but we'll see if he gets back on track.
0: I did notice that the Tigers' team total today is 3.5 at some shops. It's like minus 145 earlier this morning. That's interesting because also, don't forget the Blue Jays played... And that lengthy doubleheader yesterday in the bullpen could be absolutely taxed. I'm also looking at what you have the Phillies at 18-5-4 in their last 27 games. That's for the first five?
3: Yep. Yeah, they have been unbelievable. And look, th- this is wow. not an accident. I mean, you, were, you you went 12 straight road games. I mean, that that's not an accident at all. I mean, they've been playing so well. And they got up that really rough start out of the gate. Remember, they got blown out at Texas, and they didn't play well against the Yankees. And of said, oh, well, maybe the Phillies... You know, maybe last year's run of the World Series was a bit of a sham. But, uh, you know, for the most part in this run the Phillies have been on in the first five innings, remember they had that 19-run output against the Nationals last weekend – you know, a couple of the games, they got shut out in one game by the A's, one nothing, but they ended up winning that game in extra innings. They lost another one to the Nationals. They were down 2-1. But you know, they've been scoring runs, uh, the Phillies, and their pitching has turned it around, which has been big because you have Aaron Nola as a quality pitcher, Zach Wheeler as a quality pitcher, Taiwan Walker actually has pitched well of late, too, yep. for the Phillies. And now they're, they're getting it together, and that race in the East, it, it kind of stinks that Atlanta has really jumped out of the pack because the Marlins have played well, the Phillies have played well, the Mets are playing a little bit better now, but it feels like no one's going to catch Atlanta. But Philadelphia, though, they have put themselves in a nice spot, and when you jump out early, at least you don't have to worry about your bullpen if you get these leads, and that's what the Phillies have done.
0: Yeah, and it's no mistake, by the way. So the most amount of Ks overall on the year by team, Minnesota 487, KC 485, those two teams, the opposing pitchers are also... Like 48, 37 and five to the over against Minnesota. KC is forty-seven and forty when opposing pitchers take on the Royals lineup. That's no accident either.
3: No, it's not. And what's funny about Minnesota is just on the flip side. Early on, their pitchers were getting a lot of overs uh, to begin the season. You know, with uh, with Lopez and with uh, Joe Ryan, the, those guys were, were doing really well. But the offense, they just they just swing away and. Actually, of late, it's been kind of up and down for Minnesota that they've had a lot of over-unders that have kind of gone like each other game. So they really haven't been that much of an over-machine of late. But also, one other, I guess, positive note in the Twins, going to a first five, they've now had six straight that they have led after the first five innings. and Their pitching is turning around of late. So... Now Minnesota's playing a little bit better. But those numbers, they just came out of the gate with a bunch of strikeouts. And now, because they just had so many early, it feels like that they're a team that you have to keep an eye out for. But really, of late, it's just been really up and down with them. So I wouldn't go automatically going over on a pitcher that's facing the Twins, because now those numbers have kind of leveled off a little bit.
0: Very cool. Great numbers. Kevin Rogers, Vegas Insider. Follow him on Twitter. He is at vi Rogers thanks pal we appreciate the time have a great weekend
3: mitch paul thank you so much as always we'll talk to you soon
0: yeah so thank he you. mentions that uh that morton might be worth a look tonight the the way that he's been going on the road lately wheeler again and one over his k prop last five and he pointed out that justin verlander's nine and two under on the year but his numbers are coming really close so may
2: want to tread lightly with something like that how about the braves 17 2 and 4 first five and I one don't. of the losers was five nothing in the first yep. my yep. god up next, we had
0: some uh, pretty significant news in Major League Baseball late last night. We'll tie it in by asking about a prop number for midseason awards next year on Veasan.
2: is follow the money on vsan before you make your next bet be sure to visit vsan.com to check the current betting splits data want to know where the money and bets are moving every game it's updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion check it out every game futures as well vsan.com
0: if you missed it late last night in Major League Baseball, the Diamondbacks lost again. It was the first time they were shut out the entire year. 9 nothing blanking at the hands of the New York Mets. First time they were swept the entire year. And it's the first four-game losing streak they've had in 2023. And the uh, icing on the cake, I guess, is that uh, rookie Corbin Carroll left the game for the second time in a week with a right shoulder injury. It did not look good. When it first happened, he went directly to the dugout, looked very painful. They checked it out after the game. They said there is strength in the shoulder. He looks okay. However, they are scheduled to have an MRI on that shoulder today. We'll find out more news at that time. Um, most, if not all, sports books have pulled the National League Rookie of the Year market off the board. And so, again, it's early. I, I, you're probably not going to find much. If you shop around, you might find it sell up somewhere. And if you do, then maybe Ellie De La Cruz might be worth a shot. If it's nothing, and Cor- and Carroll's going to be fine, and they sit him maybe for the weekend, he's back after the All-Star break, the guy does have a serious advantage for the rest of the year over De La Cruz just because of the amount of games played. However, this ship appears to be sinking a little bit here for the Diamondbacks, yeah. losing a little bit of control of that division. If they were to miss the playoffs, and the Reds and somehow De La Cruz would continue this, and they were to win that division to get in... I don't know. Maybe the voters will look at that and say De La Cruz has to be the man.
2: Well, the Reds are in the right division. I'll tell you that. And certainly how well they're playing. And now with a two-game lead and 10 games over, 500, you're waiting for them to uh, for things to go sideways, but it's not happening. Right. But they have the six in a row coming up against Milwaukee, which starts tonight, and nine times they play one another in this month. But uh, it's just you think, wow, who are these guys? I know the pitchers have been so bad, but they're hanging in there. And uh, they did a good job in Washington, although the Nats have lost 14 of their last 15 games at home. But, I mean, these rookies and, and getting Vado back, incredible story. Sure. And I saw one guy has a ticket 500-1 to to win the division. He made it last October. Oh, my God.
0: Okay, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I'll make the number right now. Uh, well, I was going to make it 3.5 last night, but with the injury now, I'll come back to 3. All right. If I make the prop number 3, here's the question. Are you going to go over or under... The current favorites to actually win the award at the end of the season, and here the the betting favorites now in the American League MVP, obviously it's Shohei Otani. He's around minus eight dollars. National League MVP is Acuna, about three fifty minus three fifty. The American League Cy Young is Framber Valdez. Pushed back last night, he's two to one to win it. The National League favorite is Zach Gallen, around that same number. AL Rookie of the Year Josh Jung plus one thirty. And before it was taken off the board last night, Corbin Carroll was a minus 550 favorite to win National League Rookie of the Year.
2: Yeah, under three and a half. I guess Otani could still get traded, but stay in the American League. That also could happen, but he was a 1600 a week ago. Uh, I think Acuna's a better bet, safer bet, minus 350. You don't have to fade the trade and uh, the sick numbers he's putting up. Uh, Cy Young is wide open. Wide open. And I'll tell you, if, if, if Abbott is able to do it again tonight, books have to throw him up there. You have to put a number up on Abbott if he does this again tonight and it shuts them down. I mean, he said you know, the worst start he's had was three runs in six innings, and everything else he's been nailed. So the National League wide open. Gallon goes tonight probably should shut down the Pirates. Valdez, it's just American League's wide open with that. Carroll with the injury and De La Cruz, I'll go under three and a half.
0: Yeah, if I made it three, would you go under three?
2: Uh. Oh. One, two.
0: I think three is the more appropriate number, to be honest. But,
2: well, yeah, if I go over three, yeah. Okay. Because well, he, I here, mean, who knows what the angels are going to do?
0: Well, here I'm glad you I'm glad you asked the question. Here's a story that was uh, put up last night on MLB.com from Major League Baseball reporter John Paul Morosi. He writes that what does this current state right now all mean for Shohei Ohtani's immediate future? Nothing. Few in baseball. Few in the industry see the Angels' uh, precipitous fall as an indication they will deal Otani prior to the August 1st trade deadline. Oh my God. That's now on uh, MLB.com, very front page. It's the lead story on the website as I went there uh, right during the commercial break. So he thinks that, and the very like the lead to the story is this. Mike Trout will miss the next month, perhaps longer. The Angels were just swept by the Padres' The nadir of a nightmarish stretch in which they've lost 11 of 15. So what does it all mean for his future? Nothing. So he's talking evidently to a bunch of people around the sport. Obviously he is one of the leading, you know, reporters in this game. And he his, the conclusion here is that uh, nobody thinks they're going to trade the guy.
2: What are the odds that they resign him? If, if, if he walks, it's one of the biggest blunders in the history of sports. Oh, it is. What, what are they doing? I mean, to, to think that—and I don't disagree with the report—but because that is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Uh, this is the assuming they have no chance to re-sign him, which i, I would—I don't think that's possible. I mean, if you won't even send your own broadcasters on the road to do road games, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a nickel and dime and hot dog stand. I mean, that is—you the haul you could get for the guy, and he leaves for nothing—it's ridiculous. Here, uh, Morosi continues. This. He he writes to be
0: sure the club's baseball operation staff will communicate with other teams to workshop trade scenarios. If the Angels' slide continues, that is the job of a front office. But presenting an acceptable deal to ownership and receiving approval for it is another matter entirely. If the Angels were intent on maximizing Otani's trade value, they would have moved him last year when they were less competitive in the standings and the additional
2: contractual control. Would have yielded greater control, greater yeah. value. Yeah, but what what do you think is going to happen? You're not going anywhere. I mean, the losses are just going to continue. They have a difficult schedule, and there's so many teams they have to climb. and Trout's out for four to six, four to eight. Yeah, I mean uh, they're, they're delusional.
0: A little bit more from John Paul Morosi's story here. Even if the Angels miss the postseason, value exists in keeping Otani on the roster until he reaches free agency. There are the viewership numbers every time he plays. There are the marketing revenues and sponsorships attached to his presence. And there's the very realistic chance that he'll win a second MVP in the American League. But what does that mean long-term? What does that possibly mean? So, I mean, we, I told you about that where a guy who uh, you know, buys and sells tickets on the secondary market, he gobbled up a ton of tickets when the Dodgers took on the Angels recently. And in the game one, Kershaw was going for the Dodgers and game two, it was Otani for the Angels. He said tickets were way more expensive and way more lucrative for Otani when he pitched. Okay, that's all went well and good, but you have three months left maybe potentially to have this guy on your team. So you're going to rack up the viewership and the amount of sales that you can bring in for the next three months? But then what? What do you have to show for that moving forward in November and beyond? Yeah. If the guy walks, you you know, you're going to have nothing.
2: You haven't had a winning record since 2015. You just, you don't know what you're doing. And you have these generation, ta- generation talents and you still don't know How to build a a roster of pieces around them. So, you know, the whole thing's hilarious if that happens. Well, I mean, absolutely hilarious. If you're going to, again, I keep bringing this up, but if if we're just going to mock the Mavs and Cuban and people who cover sports for Jalen Brunson, what do you think it's going to be like if it's Otani in three, four months? Well, here's what I don't get. It's it's catastrophic. Yeah, I understand
0: it's two totally different sports. But if Rudy Gobert could get that much in a deal between the Jazz and the T Wolves, Otani should blow that away and he won't. That's the crazy thing to me. The other deal is the Paul George deal. What he, what the Thunder were able to land for that guy. Yeah. Paul, Paul George is the eighth batter in the lineup compared to Shohei Ohtani. Rudy Gobert is a relief pitcher compared to this guy. And the T-Wolves gave up my, you can't even do the math on how many picks they gave up for that guy. And they're nothing compared to Ohtani. Ohtani blows him away as an athlete and what he means to to this sport and how good he is overall as a player. He's the best player I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Because we've never seen this before, ever. So that's why I can say that. The guy might hit 60 home runs this year, and he could he potentially lead the American League in strikeouts. Come on.
2: But he might, I don't know, the, the, it's wild. And, that, and maybe the Yankees finally say enough's enough. And maybe they want to say, well, I want to end this drought, and this is unacceptable to the fan base and the organization, that we've been to one World Series since 2004. I mean, and legitimately just,
0: speaking, Paulie, every team in baseball should be calling the yeah. Angels. It doesn't matter if you have a 0% chance to land the guy. you got to at least try. But you're right. Maybe the Yankees would get
2: involved here. We brought up the Red Sox the other That'd day. That'd be great. Absolutely. And friends with Yoshida. That'd be awesome if the Red Sox uh, decided. And that they're agreed. They're strange. Hit and miss what they're doing. You know, who they offer money to. And they, they used to be the, the big spenders And what happened. So maybe right. do they jump up and say, this is, you know, last place is unacceptable. Let's get back to, to winning championships in Boston.
0: All right, we have a uh, very strong pay-per-view card coming up tomorrow. It is UFC 290. Um, Great card overall. I can't believe that Robbie Lawler's on the prelims, and it's his final match of all time. So we'll get into that, along with the uh, main event with uh, Jordan Sherwood, MMA advisor, Fat Jack Sports. But I want to get into the Lawler fight because it's his final one against Nico Price. This is going to be an absolute bloodbath. What's the best way to approach it from a betting standpoint? We'll ask Jordan next here on Follow the Money. It's VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: This is Follow the Money on VSEN. Great menu, was always, a DraftKings Summer League tonight. UFC card this weekend, golf great MLB card. Download the app today. New customers can bet $5, get $150 in bonuses instantly. Use promo code Vison when you sign up. DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Full terms and conditions.
0: UFC 290 is set for tomorrow. It's a doozy of a card. And Jordan Sherwood does a great job with MMA. Uh, Fat Jack Sports, co-host of the unnamed MMA podcast at ESPN in Chicago. Jordan, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Before the break, I was uh, pointing out that it's Robbie Lawler's last fight ever. And this guy, I mean, his fight with McDonald is going to go into the Hall of Fame this weekend. He's a fan favorite. He's a legend. Every fight is tremendous for the most part. And this one with Nico Price, again, has bloodbath written all over it. So that said, do you have an approach here to betting it or are you just going to sit back and enjoy it?
5: I, I think probably sitting back and enjoying it. I'm not seeing a lot of value on either side. And the reason is because as much as I'd love for it to be a storybook ending for, for Robbie Lawler to go out with a victory in, uh, in his last fight, I mean, he's lost five of his last uh, six fights. Uh, you know, he's been finishing in two of those five losses, the last one against Brian Barbarina. Uh And Eagle Price is, is a high volume striker, an unorthodox striker uh, that's got good cardio. And Robbie Lawler at least got his success with being able to kind of go into those firefights, outlast his opponent, and then finish him. He just doesn't have that cardio or that chin anymore. The one thing I worry about if you say, okay, I like Nico Price, he's going to win the fight, is Nico Price is kind of a fun guy. He respects Robbie Lawler. And he's been in fights before where he could have probably finished opponents, but he chose not to. He, he chose to, to kind of like take it easy. And I and I cite the Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight that ended up being a, a split draw uh, that he should have went out there and finished him. So uh, I think if you need to play this fight, you obviously pick Nickel, Nico Price. You put him into it, your parlay. But it's most likely, yeah, sit back and relax, enjoy, ha- have an old-fashioned, and, and just reflect back on Robbie Law and the fantastic career he
2: had. All right. You're getting very creative here with what you want to do in the main event. Volkanovski 25-2. and two. Uh, record he's 350 uh, favorite and and what do you how do you want to attack the main event with the favorite and also with the round prop
5: yeah absolutely yeah look I think Volkanovski is going to prove once again he's one of the greatest 145ers we've ever seen maybe the best we've ever seen uh, and just his all-around game is going to cause some issues for Yair Rodriguez in particular the power uh, and the wrestling I mean Yair Rodriguez deserves to be here he's a very good challenger He'll present uh, body kicks and head kicks uh, a little bit differently than Volkanovsky's ever been used to. But the value here is Volkanovski in the later rounds, and I've seen lately trending. You're able to get these big-time favorites at good value, even at plus money, if you say they're going to win the fight, and couple it with fight starts round four, fight starts round five, and if you look at it, Volkanovski via decision is slightly a plus money, but you could also, you know, uh, uh, you know, couple that with start round four, start round five, and, and do well. Because I think Volkanovsky wins the fight, but I think y- Yair Rodriguez is tough enough, is game enough uh, to, to to not be finished. He's a guy that that's had a, a lot of firefights himself, okay. hasn't been finished, and I don't see it happening. Volkanovsky gets his hand raised, but via decision.
2: All right, very good. Now, how about Bo Nickel, the biggest f- uh, favorite in UFC history? He's as high as 2500 The under, around and a half, under minus $4. I mean, is there any chance his opponent can survive the first round because nickel by submission in round two is nine to one.
5: I mean, look, yeah, he, he, he's a, he's he's a regional champion, the, the, his opponent and, and look, you know, credit to him taking this fight on short notice. He looks to be in shape, but I've heard from, from reliable sources. He struggles with takedowns. Uh-huh. Bo Nickel's an all American NCAA wrestling champion. Uh, he's being spoon fed these type of opponents to build up his resume. I mean, look, there's a reason why, He's on the main card, and Robbie Lawler is not uh, because they want people to pay attention to to Bo Nickel. So you got to get creative. And look, even submission round one win it, is not good value. So I, I think you really got to get creative and find like Bo Nickel in the first minute, first two minutes of the fight to win. Uh, I think he's not going to mess around with the feet. He's going to look to take this fight immediately to the ground uh, and, and get his opponent out of there. Uh, it's it's your prototypical squash mashers. as we used to see in the WWF. I like to joke. But that's, that's what we have here. Bo Nickel's going to get a takedown early uh, and finish the fight, and I think he will in the first couple of minutes of the fight. Wow.
0: Man. Okay, so get creative there, Paul. That's going to be like wow. the uh, goal in the first period yes. in the NHL or uh, first attempt prop in NCAA. Can you find that in a lot of spots? Like I, I think
5: you can. Yeah, I think you can like a bet rivers and Fanduel and stuff like that. It usually doesn't come out till day of the fights or, uh, you know, weigh-ins, maybe, you know, today, later this afternoon. But yeah, you could find it, uh, you know, and they add value to it to play it because it likely doesn't happen. But in this particular case, Bo Nickel is that special an opponent. Uh, this is a guy that's going to you know, feed right into his strengths. So that's why I think you got to play it.
0: So do you have any interest at all in like, because our producer Luke brought this up before the show and he loves betting the UFC. He loves his sport. He was intrigued by uh, nine to one on nickel by sub in the second round. But you're thinking this guy, his opponent has basically has no chance to get out of the first round.
5: I, I don't think so. Again, I, I've heard that he struggles with takedown defense uh, and he's also taking this fight on, you know, four days notice. So like he has not has been preparing his takedown defense for a typical fight. week camp, you know, six, eight weeks so yeah I, I don't like that uh play but hey you know it's as you were just saying something to cheer for something to look forward to if you think he could survive but i don't okay. think he
2: does dk has it he's plus 275 to win in the first minute he's plus 330 to win between uh you know two minutes into the fight yeah okay. there you
5: go i think look yeah maybe maybe, maybe there's a feeling out process 30 seconds into the fight uh and then yeah, that second minute is, is value maybe i'll play that it's all good right
2: one. what do you think of turner uh, in his fight, Turner, uh, 250 in that range against Hooker.
5: Yeah, I, look, I think Jalen Turner gained a lot of credit with his last loss. He was supposed to fight Dan Hooker. Hooker had to pull out. Martise Gamrat won the fight via split decision. I think Jalen Turner learned a lot from that fight. Dan Hooker's chin is gone. Look, he's been in firefights himself, but he's not the same fighter as he once was. And he's a guy who gets touched up. And Jalen Turner is so unorthodox, so long, so lean, uh, and powerful. For the lightweight division, I think that the value is Jalen Turner is going to win this fight because he's, been, he's been now been preparing, what, 16 weeks for Dan Hooker, and he's going to touch his chin at some point. So Turner uh, to win via TKO or KO uh, at plus money, I think, is the play. Dan Hooker's just not the same fighter, despite the fact, look, he's training side-by-side side with Volkanovsky. That certainly helps an opponent leading in. But I think Jalen Turner is special. He's a tough fighter to prepare for at lightweight, and uh, he's going to knock out Dan Hooker at some point in the fight.
0: All right. How about another flyweight title bout? Uh, Brandon Mar- uh, Moreno is fighting. He's laying uh, in the neighborhood of $1.95. The round prop here is four and a half. Do you expect this fight to go to the cards?
5: I, I, I think we likely will, just because, again, Moreno's favored. Uh, he, he's he, he's really come up since the last time that they fought with us several years ago. And, you know, finally Moreno getting uh, past Denison Figueroa. He's got the wrestling. He's got the scrambling ability to not be too, too threatened by Pantoja's submissions. But here's the thing. I mean, Pantoja is a killer and he walks right forward to people, gets into the fire. He's got power. Uh, so I think my, I'm, I'm going to play a small play on Pantoja just because I think he might be Moreno's buggy man, already two wins over him during their career. But I think probably the smarter play is a live bet this fight. See what the first round looks like. Who's establishing what? Is Moreno establishing his jab, which is going to be the better of the two on the stand-up? And then maybe Moreno, you play him into the later rounds. Because as I think as the fight goes, it favors Moreno. If this gets into the championship rounds, I think Moreno will get his hand raised.
0: All right. Overall, top to bottom, how do you grade the card going into it? Solid?
5: Yeah, it- it's, 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 it's a great card. I mean, international fight week's always a, a solid one. I mean, we didn't even talk about DDP and Robert Whitaker, you know, a middleweight title eliminator fight. That's going to be bonkers uh, for as long as that fight goes. Uh, and obviously we talked about some of the other fights on the card and it's, I think 14 fights. So we're, we're in for a doozy on Saturday. But again, I think you've got to find value on those heavy favorites. So Bo Nickel in the first two minutes of the fight, Bokunowski to win and round four to start. Kind of my recommendations, my good. favorite plays for tomorrow.
2: Great job. Good to talk to you again. Enjoy your summer. All right, so let's talk to you soon. Well done. This Be is good. crazy. I mean, this is so nickel is minus two dollars to submit him in round one. So everyone you talk to, just the guy's a tomato can, you'll take them down immediately and submit him. But still you're looking that's two dollars, but him the win's twenty five hundred. And, and 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 in his previous three fights, it's been, you know, what what did like, Luke you say, Luke? Like one two minute, two minutes in, he takes the guy down, submits him, and that's it but then you Bog look at it too.
0: Rest in, i mean you're huh? here you're not hearing a, a positive word spoken no. about the other guy
2: but then if the, the, somehow he survives the first round and he takes him out immediately in round 2 or in any point in round 2 that's 9 to 1 but it just figures this guy won't even last 3 minutes against him um and then you you can do the first 90 the first yeah the first minute is plus 275 and then plus 330 if a guy lasts 2 minutes but this my
0: God. By the way, you can follow Jordan on Twitter. He is uh, at Woodon ESPN 1000. And again, the podcast is called the unnamed MMA podcast. Jordan Sherwood was our guest. Out, breaking down all the, all the fights there here moments ago. Um, I, I just, the prelims alone, when they had to put Robbie Lawler on the prelims, you got You got to pay attention to that fight. The, the guys, I mean, again, he, he had a great breakdown of that fight. Probably don't want to bet him. Not in great form. Last fight ever. Maybe he goes out a hero here. But in terms of overall entertainment, you get your money's worth every single time, and he's on the prelims for this guy. So um, it's Follow the Money here on Vsin The Sports Betting Network. We'll discuss some uh, alt totals in the NFL coming up next, and we'll kick around the discussion of what's more likely to happen for these teams to maybe go over at a nice plus price or to go under as they so often come in this way in the NFL, that's coming up next year on V-CIN.
2: is follow the money on And pro subscriber today get a daily email recapping all the best bets every host and guest unlimited access to the vcin.com slash picks page you can sort by sport matchup date and more check the leaderboard to view betting records roi and see who has the hot hand pro picks betting splits power ratings dog videos Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today, $19. com slash subscribe.
0: All right, so alt totals in the NFL. Before we get into the uh, exact numbers this year, I will remind people that betting alternate win totals is probably your best approach to doing this on a yearly basis because in 2019, 16 NFL teams either went over or under their alternate win total at a nice plus price. In 2020, the pandemic year, it was 25 teams. That's 78% of the league. So that tells you about how often, like, you know, Vegas knows and how good the numbers are in the market. They get it all right now. And in win totals, they really don't. Um, The prices ranged that year from plus 160 all the way up to plus 250. 23 teams pulled it off in 2021. And my unofficial count was 22 teams last year. So. This year, we'll go over some of them, not every team, Paulie, but if anything sticks out here on what is more likely yeah. to happen with some of these teams, right, to either go over or under. Yeah, it's great. Like, what's more likely with the 49ers, in yeah. your opinion? Over 11.5 plus 150,
2: or under 9.5 plus 245? Tough call. I go back and forth about, are they just going to dominate this division and will it be a walk in the park? They should be handed four wins from the get-go. Where with the Rams in Arizona, can Seattle hang around? And it's not going to go well for Geno Smith against that defense. But it's been, you know, horrible luck. They can't stay healthy. So who's playing quarterback? I'm fine with Purdy. I mean, you have to be after how I ended last season. But this, they they continue to be snake bit by all the injuries. And the other thing, you know, we talked about how great this schedule is and advantageous it is for the Jets. Well, you have the, on the flip side, you have the Niners. They have minus 20 days net rest edge. They play four games against teams off a bye, highlighted by the Cincinnati game, where they're off a short week, and the Bengals have a bye with 14 days rest. Incredible. Yep. They play Seattle late in the year when the Seahawks are off a mini-bye. So they play five games from week six on where the, the team's off a full bye or a mini-bye. Uh, and that's the one thing that could really hurt them. Not to mention with can they stay healthy. So I will go under. Still, you're going to make the playoffs, but yeah, I could see 9 and 8. That could happen. Don't you think so? As oh, opposed, I, I as would, opposed to only, there, Yeah, there's only
0: one way I would go on, on this team, and that would be under 9.5 plus 245. Um, I still haven't made a bet yet on under 10.5 at plus money. I might do that on the regular win total. Maybe add some on the alt under as well. Somehow they have the fifth easiest schedule in football. So despite the the minus twenty and yeah, he's but, right
2: though. It's not who you play, it's when you play them.
0: But as a reminder but, again, right, with the rest disadvantage, yeah. the three teams that had the most last year all went under their win total. And some of them sailed under. So I know I, I'm with you. Like I think if, if Brock Purdy comes out and he's ready to go and he doesn't miss a beat, they'll be they'll be awesome. But if they have to rely on another quarterback not named Brock Purdy, then I have no idea what to expect. And I do have questions about the offensive line. It's not nearly as strong, on paper anyway, as it has been over recent years. Other than that, I mean, you got to love almost everything about the team. Uh, The Bengals to go over 12.5, that's plus 235, or under 10.5 at plus 180. All these numbers courtesy of Circus
2: Sports. I can't see 13 wins in the AFC. Nah. I I like this team, but that's... In that division? I'm with you. they, They got off to a slow start last year, too, so... And there's nothing wrong with going ten and seven in that division. That's a hell of a year. Yep. But that's that's a big ass to go 13, 13 wins.
0: We have previewed the AFC East every day this week, well, Tuesday through today. We're, we'll do the Jets again coming up one more time before the show is over with today. But the Bills to go over eleven and a half at plus one sixty five, or under nine and a half at plus two thirty.
2: Yeah. Oh, with all the injuries on defense, I'd I take the over. It's still they what, what, they had all those injuries on defense and they still won thirteen games. So. Again, some, we're, we're, how we're, we're knocking the bills here and treating them like a team coming off a nine-win season. So it is a stacked division, but they've, they have owned the Patriots and what they did against them a couple of years ago in the playoffs and had no problems going on the road and beating them last year either. I, I mean, so many things would have to go wrong to go under 9.5. I've I, I got to go over 11.5.
0: Their schedule is so grueling, again, beginning in early November all the way through the end of the year. It's the most difficult schedule in football. It's very tough. Uh, One team on that schedule is uh, Denver. That's week 10. That's at home for Buffalo. That's on Monday night. But I'll ask you about the Broncos here. More likely, in your your opinion, the Broncos to go over 9.5, which is plus
2: 195, or under 7.5 at plus 190? I'd go under there, too. Maybe it's just that this is it for Russell Wilson. And maybe Peyton can't fix him. Certainly he can't be as bad as he was last year. And certainly their offense can't be as bad. And it's a huge upgrade with uh, Hackett out and Peyton in. But still, you're probably the third best team in that division. And it, it, this could be it for Wilson. He's just a, a below-average quarterback, and he can't turn it around. And even with the, the great defense, they still go 7-10. and 10.
0: I look at uh, the opposite here. I, I would look at the over 9.5, assuming that Sean Payton could get Russ back to the guy that he was a couple of years back. And also like, well, it they, just
2: has to be average because right, your defense was so good and they were losing like 16, 13 every week. My, my question is yeah. though, can the defense keep them, can they yeah, play right, that right.
0: well the entire year again? Right. You would expect like there's going to be regression here with this team because they couldn't win those close games. You would expect that to correct itself a little bit in 2023, but I don't know if the defense, their secondary is awesome. Other than that, I mean, they have major question marks, I think on the D anyway. So maybe they, they're not going to be in those low scoring games. Maybe they're going to be a little, a little bit higher scoring this year. How about the Buccaneers? Intriguing alt numbers here: seven and a half over plus two twenty, or five and a half under plus one sixty-five.
2: This could be the worst team in the league. I could only look under there too.
0: Well, let me get their number for uh, most That's, losses then in the entire league.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine anybody has high expectations for the Buccaneers this year. I mean, the quarterback play has a chance to be really, really got off. Yes, it does. And Brady covered up a lot of things that, uh, that stunk, too. So. They are, oh my God, they're the, yeah, they're the second shot on the board yeah. for most losses. It goes Cardinals 3-1, to one, Buccaneers plus 550. Then the Rams, Texans, and the Raiders are sitting there at 15-1. to one. All right, would you go over yeah. Chiefs? It's 12.5 over plus 175 or under 10.5 plus
2: 215. i take the over. Someone's going to beat this guy seven times? This guy's going to lose That's, seven games? Bar, They have to be injury-related. He's too good. He's a joke. It would have to be, Paul. Yeah, he's a cheat code. Lose Hill? Okay, no problem. Win the Super Bowl. Agreed. Right? Oh, I'm hurt. I can barely move. Who cares? I'll beat the Bengals. I mean, nothing phases this guy. Uh, I can't see him losing seven games. Okay. Um, I'm pondering
0: a bet on this team as well. The Cowboys to go over 11 plus 220 or under 9
2: plus 195. Want to like the Cowboys? Want to like the Cowboys a lot. Can't get past McCarthy and Schottenheimer duo. Very hard to get past that. Should do the right thing and feed Pollard and a heavy dose of Pollard. But uh, the other thing is my concerns about Dak. Horrible in some games last year in the silly turnovers in the pick sixes. Cost them a lot of games. Pathetic showing in the playoff loss against San Francisco. I still think Philly's better. And I can't can't see what that coaching staff. Quinn's phenomenal. And the defense is nasty. But questions about Dak and McCarthy and, and Schottenheimer with the play calling, and you know a lot of people took in their, taking their shots at at Kellen Moore last year. But I I would have to go under. I can't see uh, twelve. They have to win twelve games to beat you. Yeah, they'd have to, they'd have to be, be twelve cash 5 to route, go for eleven. To go for yep. 11 you'd have to win twelve. Nah. Yeah, I mean I love the talent and of the team. And that's that's a great game to start. Do they win week one in, in New York? That's a great way to uh, Sunday night game, on on Sunday night football to start week one. I don't know.
0: Yep. Uh, if you told me that uh, they were going to get an overhaul on the coaching staff and it was like if Sean Payton had gone if there. Did, right, oh, then sure, sign okay. me up. Then yeah. I'm definitely in over 11. But that's, I mean, I, again, I, oh, top to bottom, the, the talent on this team is outstanding, but you have to have major questions about that guy and uh, the, the new OC. So, you, okay, the Giants then, over 8.5 is plus 205 or under 6.5 plus 185.
2: I'd say under because uh, everything yeah. went their way last year. Easy schedule. Who do they really beat when you look at it? Totally agree. But they beat the Ravens at home, but they were down 10 late in that game as well. So uh, Giants under, Jags over. I can only look over with Jacksonville. Should dominate that division. And uh, I, the, I'm sorry, the Lions have to prove it to me. Are the Lions going to win 11 games to cast the ult over? Yep. I mean, that, that's are, I all the pressure's on you now. Now everyone's coming after you now with, with Detroit, and you're the favorites to win the division.
0: Uh, for what it's worth, I did tail our, uh, well, Adam Burke here at the network. Who did a phenomenal job putting together the NFL betting guide here at Veasan, V-CIN. Veasan.com/slash subscribe to go check it out. Um, he gave out uh, and he had a good write-up on the Jags, like their ceiling for most wins. They were mm-hmm. offering 25 to one here at Circa. So based on his write-up on it, I was talking to him a couple of weeks back. I did bet him. I bet bet that actually here at Circa 25 to one. Uh, we'll get into today's Major League Baseball card coming up next. Some serious pitching matchups on the slate and the beginning of a massive six-game stretch. Details next here on VEASAN.